Voices of the Belt and Road podcast, brought to you by the Belt and Road Advisory, your professional advisors on all matters concerning the Belt and Road Initiative. Voices of the Belt and Road is our flagship podcast, and with each episode, we'll hear the personal stories of people who are part of the Belt and Road Initiative. The aim of this podcast is to demystify the initiative by interviewing a broad array of people whose lives are impacted day in and day out by the world's largest cross-border trade initiative and infrastructure build-up. On this podcast, in addition to university researchers, think tank experts, and policymakers, you can also hear from business people, workers, and countless others involved in the Belt and Road. You'll hear people tell their own personal stories in their own languages, because at the end of the day, the Belt and Road Initiative is changing people's lives, and we want you to hear it from them. Please enjoy this week's podcast, and thanks for tuning in. Hello everyone, I'm Greg Stetz, co-founder of the Belton Road Advisory, and this is the Voices of the Belton Road podcast. The best wishes to all of you from the Belton Road Advisory team. May 2019 be full of happiness, success, and positive developments. In our first podcast episode this year, we bring to you a special sum up of the top 10 most relevant Belton Road happenings of 2018, as well as some predictions of what to expect in 2019. This will help you to kick off this year of Belt and Road watching. Let's start with our top 10 list. Number 1. More countries joined BRI, but views on it became increasingly polarized. With 2017 raising the expectations of developing countries looking to secure BRI investment funds from China, it's no surprise that we have seen more countries formally sign up to the initiative through signing Memoranda of Understanding. China has signed 123 cooperation documents on BRI development with 105 countries and 26 similar documents with 29 international organizations. The largest economy to sign up to BRI was Italy. It has created a new Belt and Road Task Force led by Michele Geracci, a former professor of economics who worked in China. In doing so, Italy became the first G7 member to sign up. However, our conversations with foreign policymakers show that it remains unclear as to what precise tangible benefits comes from signing such an MOU. And indeed, many countries are signing up opportunistically. At the same time, views on the Belt and Road have become increasingly polarized. This is most evident in the case of the United States, with Defense Secretary Mattis saying that in a globalized world, there are many belts and many roads. U.S. Secretary of State Pompeo issued a warning to Panama and other nations in the region about the potential dangers of accepting Chinese investments. When China comes calling, it's not always to the good of your citizens, Pompeo said. It is these drivers that led the U.S. to spearhead its free and open Indo-Pacific strategy, along with Japan and Australia. The strategy is seen as a direct response to China's Belt and Road but has less financial muscle. It is not just the US, however. 27 of 28 ambassadors from EU countries to China also signed a letter criticizing BRI, despite the fact that many of those countries are engaged in bilateral dialogue with China on the issue. This growing polarization is not just seen between countries, but also within them. For example, while Australia has resisted joining BRI, 
Victoria State recently decided to independently sign such an MOU without central government's approval. Number two, we saw more focus on debt and international standards. A number of countries have actively resisted China's calls for them to sign BRI MOUs, including Japan, Germany and the UK. Instead, they focused their efforts on trying to work with China to improve the debt sustainability of BRI and ensure that it meets international standards. The UK appointed Sir Douglas Flint, former chairman of HSBC, as its BRI envoy to ensure that projects become more bankable and open to financiers from around the world. This has been the most visible manifestation of the concerns about debt. But Pakistan, Sri Lanka and Nepal have all postponed projects too, with excessive debt and unfavorable project terms of cited reasons. Number 3. Belt and Road's legal architecture got a boost. Up to now some of China's biggest investments abroad have been governed by common law. This may not change overnight, but there have been more concerted efforts made from the Chinese side to define the legal system around BRI on China's terms. This was the rationale behind the Supreme People's Court's announcement in June 2018 on the inauguration of two China International Commercial Courts, one in Xi'an to handle Silk Road Economic Belt commercial disputes and the second in Shenzhen for maritime Silk Road disputes. In our interview with Professor Don Lewis, a China legal expert, he argues that, as a result, quote, the world of international arbitration and international dispute settlement generally are likely to be shaken to their very foundations. There will be a major shift to China and Asia and away from the US and Europe. This paradigm shift will impact commercial arbitration and investment arbitration or investor-state dispute settlement even more so, unquote. You can read the whole interview by visiting our website. Number 4. US-China trade war is benefiting BRI. After a honeymoon through 2017, 2018 has seen a marked deterioration in China-US relations, epitomized most by the ongoing trade war. The trade war is causing much anxiety amongst Chinese firms who would normally sell into the United States. Consequently, these firms are looking for alternative markets to export their goods to, or to invest their money in. However, Chinese companies still recognize the importance of the US market, and are looking for new ways to circumvent the tariff and sell into the US. Crucially, the United States tariffs apply to goods made in China. That is to say, if a Chinese company produces the goods in a different country, then exports it into the US, it will not need to pay the tariff. The Chinese company would still repatriate the profits back to China, however. Hence, as we argue wider in a piece available on our website, Chinese companies have been incentivized to relocate their production abroad as a direct result of the trade war. This bolsters the Belt and Road Initiative. Number 5. Historic China-Africa Summit was held in Beijing. In September, China held the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation, FOCAC, which concluded with the FOCAC-Beijing Action Plan 2019-2021 and Beijing Declaration being adopted. 
The flagship announcement was a 60 billion US dollars pledge made by President Xi Jinping to promote African infrastructure and development. The 60 billion US dollars fund consists of 20 billion US dollars in credit lines, 15 billion US dollars in grants, interest-free loans and concessional loans, 10 billion US dollars fund for development financing and 5 billion US dollars to finance imports from Africa. However, following the announcement, many Chinese netizens were frustrated by the country's investment spending abroad, given that China itself still sees itself as a developing country. Balancing the views of the people who are facing an economic slowdown at home with the expansion of the Belt and Road abroad will continue to be a challenge for the Chinese leadership going forward. Number 6. New BRI corridors were developed and existing ones have been accelerated. One of the flagship pieces of BRI infrastructure is the China-Europe train that travels from eastern China through Central Asia and arrives ultimately in the European Union. The train is twice as fast versus transport by sea and six times cheaper than transport by air. And that has resulted in a surge in the number of trains through 2018. China-Europe freight trains made 5,611 trips in the first 11 months of 2018, a 72% increase compared with the same period last year. The Air Silk Road has also seen a boost. Now there are 5,100 weekly flights from China to BRI countries, according to new data from the Civil Aviation Administration of China. Connectivity is also being improved through better visa policies. For example, Central Asian countries have proposed a Silk Road visa, which would be similar to Schengen area visas in the European Union. The Polar Silk Road was also proposed in early 2018 by China, and the first Chinese cargo ships have already navigated through the area. Climate change is leaving Arctic waters navigable for longer periods, opening a new shipping route from East Asia to Europe along Russia's northern coast. Dubbed the Polar Silk Road in China and Northern Sea Route in Russia, it could eventually become an alternative to the main strait of Balak. Climate change is leaving Arctic waters navigable for longer periods, opening a new shipping route from East Asia to Europe along Russia's northern coast. Dubbed the Polar Silk Road in China and Northern Sea Route in Russia, it could eventually become an alternative to the main Strait of Malacca and Suez Canal route, altering global supply chains and geopolitics. There are, however, many challenges for this route to become usable. If you're interested in learning more about this issue, listen to our podcast interview with Sebastian Marder Gibson that you can find on our website. Number 7. Belton Road became more open to third country involvement. In 2018, China has showed signs of engaging new partners in BRI projects. The first sign came with a proposal to build a joint Japanese-Chinese BRI project in Thailand. Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe's stance on China's BRI has evolved from reticence to acknowledging the potential synergies. And in May 2018, 
the Japan Bank for International Cooperation proposed that the joint China-Japan consortium will build a high-speed railway system in Thailand. If the project goes through, it would be the first time contractors from both countries work together on an infrastructure project in a third country. Both governments plan to establish a public-private council to discuss common infrastructure projects. China has also proposed to work with India on projects in Africa in a so-called India-China plus one strategy. The details are still being worked out. Even more recently, Saudi Arabia has been invited to participate through joint financing in the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor. The arrangement is worth around 10 billion US dollars, with three road and energy infrastructure projects already penciled in for Saudi Arabian financial contribution. Saudi Arabia will also contribute their expertise and help to turn the flagship CPEC port project of Gwadar into an oil city. The fact that China has started to pilot third country involvement in its BRI project is a positive development. China has often come under criticism for not being inclusive in welcoming other countries' financiers or contractors. Opening up projects like this also mirrors the desires of the developing countries receiving BRI funding who want greater diversification of partners and prevent over-reliance on China. For example, Myanmar's commerce minister said that international companies should be invited to take part in Belt and Road-related projects and that the tender process should be more transparent. Given China's competitive construction industry, the likelihood is that Chinese firms would still win projects put out to open tender. However, the important aspect is that international firms would be allowed to compete. Taking this issue more broadly, the developing world's and other regions' infrastructure needs far exceed the financing capabilities of the Chinese state and its enterprises. For the BRI to have far-reaching impact, it needs to also catalyze new sources of capital into developing countries' infrastructure. Through both open tender processes and a willingness to jointly finance projects, China would quell perceptions that the BRI lacks transparency and inclusivity. Number 8. Hainan became a free trade port and a key part of the Maritime Silk Road. In April 2018, Hainan Island was announced as China's first free trade port and became China's largest free trade zone. President Xi Jinping himself gave his personal endorsement to Hainan, which is set to become an integral part of the Maritime Silk Road. The announcement in April was followed by the publication of a Hainan Development Plan in October, which has paved the way for Hainan to serve as a pioneer in China's future of opening up and reform. Every Chinese ministry now has been asked to set up its own Hainan strategy, and we can expect that the island will become a key hub for BRI trade and tourism going forward. As Belt and Road Advisory, we are a leading English-language institution working on Hainan Opportunity. You can find out more about this opportunity and ways in which your business can benefit from Hainan's special taxation policies and company registration procedures by visiting our website. Number 9. China International Import Exposition sought to show that China is open for imports. 
The inaugural China International Import Exposition was held in November 2018. The aim was to show the world, which has long criticized China for being a closed market to foreign imports, that China was open for foreign products. President Xi Jinping himself said that it was not just another trade fair, and made a point to show Belt and Road countries that they could benefit through selling their products into China. Huge deals were signed at CIIE. In the e-commerce space, giant Alibaba sealed deals worth over 200 billion US dollars over the next five years, while its competitor, JD, hit 100 billion US dollars. China's state-owned enterprises were also in the market for big deals. Sinopec reportedly signed 45 billion US dollars of deals alone. While China's offshore oil and gas company CNOOC Limited signed 20 deals with foreign businesses including Siemens, Caterpillar and Schlumberger. Foreign multinationals that signed big deals included Volkswagen, Rolls-Royce and Standard Chartered. Volkswagen signed 9 billion US dollars worth of deals. Rolls-Royce signed an almost 1.5 billion US dollar deal with China Eastern for aircraft engines and their maintenance. Standard Chartered signed a 1.6 billion US dollar deal with China Poly over the next two years for metals and mining products. Beyond the big multinational conglomerates, thousands of Chinese companies also engaged in smaller transactions with foreign companies of all sizes. According to Mofcom, 20% of deals signed were on farming and agricultural equipment and products. This is not a surprise given the trade war now making it harder to source certain agricultural products from the US. For Belt and Road countries, many of which have largely agrarian economies, the Chinese market presents a huge opportunity for their food experts. Kenya is a perfect example. It is the seventh largest global producer of avocados, and at CIIE, a deal was struck to permit Kenyan avocados to enter the Chinese market. As our former podcast guest Harriet Karyuki commented, this would, quote, greatly benefit Kenyan smallholder farmers, unquote. Number 10. More foreign firms have been trying to benefit from BRI. The Chinese government says that over 80 state-owned enterprises have undertaken 3,116 investment projects in Belt and Road countries to date. The scale of BRI has led more and more foreign companies into thinking about how they can benefit from it. For example, Western banks have also been betting big on BRI this year. Following HSBC, Citigroup announced it has appointed a veteran investment banker as its head of Belt and Road Initiative-related banking. But it's not just big multinationals. Many entrepreneurs around the world are trying to understand what BRI means for them. Guests of Voices of the Belt and Road podcast are a microcosm of this growing community of individuals seeking to understand and benefit from the BRI. Take William Swin, for example. During our podcast, he outlined how he is trying to position Hainan to benefit from increased maritime trade brought about through the BRI. Or Riz Wally, CEO of the Manchester China Forum, who is seeking to bring about more Chinese investment into the UK's northern powerhouse. Dr. Xuan Hong, 
spoke of the opportunities that exist for China's deindustrializing Northeast that is trying to position itself as a commercial hub between China and Russia. In our podcast with Chris Devonshire Ellis, CEO of Desan Shira and Associates, he argues that, quote, the bigger opportunity for foreign firms is to actually understand the infrastructure buildup and the opportunities this new infrastructure is going to create. One example is the Chinese-built Southern Expressway in Sri Lanka. This is a road which leads from Colombo Airport and heads southwards. That reduced journey time from 5 or 6 hours down to 2.5 hours. That's had a huge impact on the tourism industry and you've seen some of the big hotel chains enter as a result. For instance, the Shangri-La. Unquote. Separately, in cooperation with the Benelux Chamber of Commerce in China and the EU SME Center, we run a training seminar focused on how companies of various size can get involved in the Belt and Road Initiative and develop their own Belt and Road strategies. You can find practical, actionable materials in a series of business articles available on our website. They advise you on how to get involved in BRI, how to secure BRI funding, and how to leverage your Chinese partners. And that closes our top 10 list. Before we wrap up this episode, let's briefly discuss some predictions for the development of the Belt and Road Initiative this year. In 2019, BRI will continue its opportunistic expansion of scale and scope. Infrastructure will remain at its heart, but will become less important than before as the most promising infrastructure projects get completed. That will bring more focus on other elements of the initiative, such as development of tech cooperation and development of the digital Silk Road. Moving to another issue, the failures and problems of BRI that we have seen so far are more likely to lead to innovation and adaptation of the initiative rather than reveal any fatal flaws. Chinese firms and policymakers will learn from setbacks and refine their approaches accordingly. Already now, many of our Chinese partners and discussions from major think tanks, companies and public institutions hint that the experience of the first five years of the implementation of BRI is being carefully assessed and we are likely to see adjustments being made to the way BRI is being carried out in 2019. One of the adjustments is likely going to be the acknowledgement that BRI will only succeed if it can foster industrialization in recipient countries. Without it, infrastructure will likely result in bad debt. So in order to improve the position of BRI and manage global perceptions, China will put more emphasis on sustainability of BRI projects. Another adjustment is likely to be further opening of BRI projects to foreign participation and creating more commercial opportunities for foreign actors. We have seen the beginning of this process in 2018 and we will follow it closely in 2019. Two things that may cause a more substantial challenges to BRI will be an increasingly prominent discourse of great power competition between China and the US which is likely to paint the BRI with suspicion. Another challenge can come from any severe domestic economic problems 
that could lead China to curtail its overseas spending and foreign policy activism. Having said that, at the beginning of 2019, the Belt and Road Initiative is set in a good position to undergo readjustments and improvements. In 2018, many challenges of BRI have come to light, but we have also seen positive signals coming out of China. Those are hopefully harbingers of what we are going to see this year, and we will be there to keep you updated on all the Belt and Road happenings and help you to make the most out of the business opportunities that the Belt and Road Initiative presents to you. Remember to follow us on social media under the name Belt and Road Advisory and to join our newsletter, which you can subscribe to on our website. This will allow you to gain some extra insights about BRI in 2019. To do that, go to www beltonroadadvisory.com and go to subscribe tab. That's it for today. Have a great 2019 and see you soon at the Voices of the Belton Road. Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. If you want to learn more about the Belt and Road Initiative, check out our website at beltandroad.ventures. That's Belt and Road, one word, no spaces, and dot ventures, B E N T U R E S. On the website, you can subscribe to our weekly Belt and Road Bulletin and also follow our Belt and Road Advisory social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That way, you'll always be up to date on what is happening on the Belt and Road. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week.